Um, I don't know if Alan come up. Alan's going to give us a, a, a teaching and just some encouragement on service. Um, I know that, that service has touched Alan's life, and, and so I look forward to hearing what he has to share with us. Um, just going to pray for Alan here real quickly, and we'll let him, let him get after it. Lord, we just pray your, your blessing upon Alan. We thank you for, for his service to our community in so many ways, and in particular today, in giving this, this teaching and, and sharing on, on service. Uh, we just pray for your truth to come forth from him, and, and Lord, that you would just you'd bless him and, um, for, for what he's doing and what he's, what he's accomplishing for us. We ask this through your name. Amen. I'll hold it. Howdy. <clears throat> All right. Uh, I, I timed myself yesterday, so I'm just going to jump right into it. Let's just, let's just say it that way. I'd rather not say. <laughs> yeah. All right. <clears throat> so I want to sh- start off by sharing a word I received in prayer uh, August 2nd. Um, just to orient us. Um, and this was actually received while I was calling on God for renewal, which is, it's awesome that we were praying about renewal today. Um, I was asking for renewal, my commitment to love him. That's, that's what I was asking for. Um, this was his response. <clears throat> you are my son forever. Do not live as a hireling, one who serves in exchange for wages, one who is sustained by his master, but soon forgets his master when serving is not convenient. I am a father, not a taskmaster, not a benevolent patron. Live as a son who by his very continence reflects, by his very continence and being reflects his father. I am glorified in you when you live as a son. My name is blessed when you live as a son. I want a new heart for you, something deeper than your external actions. I want the kingdom of heaven to pour forth from you. You cannot force or seize it. This only happens when you in surrender to me daily. <clears throat> now, Jesus, the Son of Man, he, he is the one who most perfectly reflects the Father. Amen? Amen. All right. And he commands and invites us to join him in loving communion through acts of self-gift, otherwise known as love. When Jesus is asked... What is the first commandment? The scribes ask him. He says, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Gospel of Mark, chapter 12. So, love of... God and neighbor constitute our universal vocation for all humans. We're all called to this, and it stems from the truth that we are made to mirror God. With this in mind, I want to direct our attention to Jesus uh, Christ, the servant, our model for servanthood. Um, Real quick plug, I read this book called uh, Encountering Christ, the Servant, Um, Deacon Dominic Serrato. It's a book for deacons, but he made one for lay people too. Um, Really good book. Um, so, let's look at Jesus Christ, the servant. Jesus calls us to a high ster- standard of servanthood. And as he calls, he leads by example. To start, 
Jesus chose to be a servant. In St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, Paul writes, Have this mind among yourselves, which, is, which was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. <laughs> um, so what do we learn from St. Paul there? Well, we learned that Jesus did not hold on to his glory or majesty. It was his right to be glorified. It was his right to be honored and adored. But instead, he empties himself for our sake. As a son, he obeys the Father's will to become a human being, and not just any human. He becomes the lowest of them all, a slave who needs to die the most humiliating death. And he did this willingly. Something else that we, that we can know from Scripture about Jesus as a servant is that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Um, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, we read of Jesus telling his disciples how the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over those under them. In response, he says, It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as ransom for many. <clears throat> so, Jesus is our model for servanthood, and he commands us to serve well. Uh, I want to set the scene here real quick. Gospel of John, chapter 13. This is, if you guys know, this is uh, the last moments. There, It's the Last Supper. And it's, you know, Jesus' last moments with the disciples before he, he's going to die. Uh, and when people die, if you've been around people who are close to dying, uh, they speak with a lot of urgency about the things that matter the most. They don't waste time. It's the time where they're writing their last will and testament. It's, they're talking about the most precious things. And Jesus was in that very situation, and he wants to, the disciples to learn and remember a foundational truth about what it means to follow him. <clears throat> so now reading from the gospel. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was around him. When he had washed their feet and taken his garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. <clears throat> for I have given you an example that you should also do as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is the one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. Now, you know, let's put on our modern minds for a second. 
So just think about how nasty those feet were. Um, you know, they wore, they wore sandals, and they didn't wear socks with them, so extra nasty. Um, and if you watch The Chosen, you know that uh, Matthew in The Chosen has, like, all these pairs of sandals, and he's, like, constantly stepping and stuff. Anyways, um, so their feet were really gross. Um, but yet, the man who they gave everything up for, the man who they gave, they gave up their businesses for, the man who they gave up everything, is washing their feet. They just saw this man, Jesus, raise someone from the dead, and they just saw him being welcomed into Jerusalem with shouts of Hosanna. And he's doing this. He's washing their feet, their nasty feet. And not only that, Jesus follows that up by saying, you do the same. It's, you know, it's crazy. So Jesus is asking us, we are his followers, you do the same. So what kind of uh, servant is Jesus looking for? Um, <clears throat> well, he's calling us to servanthood, not just service. And servanthood entails our whole disposition. It's our fundamental identity, right? So we are to be people not only who perform a service, but we are to become servants. Um, when we serve one another and God according to his will. This is deeper than our external actions, if you remember from the word that he shared. It is a new heart. And serving this way requires two things. It requires faith and obedience. Now, faith comes from our identity as ch his children. It's knowing that we have everything we need to serve at our disposal. Through faith, we rely on God to fulfill his purposes within us, or within and through us, his people. God wants, to, wants us to put our trust and confidence in him. We should serve God believing that he will act, that he has the power to transform lives and to provide for our needs. In obedience, we choose to serve him as slaves through our daily surrender. When we serve, we ought to be doing what God wants. As obedient servants, we should seek to meet his needs, not our own. And it's not enough to do a good job, guys. Um, what we should be striving for is to do what he wants, how he wants it, in every situation. And this cuts both ways. And this also means that we can be merciful towards ourselves because it's not about being perfect. It's about doing things his way. Um, and, and so, so the, you know, next time you serve, try to seek his mind first. Think about how he wants it done rather than just going full force. Um, you can still contribute your own ideas, but make sure that they're in support of his will, not your own. So, in addition to faith and obedience, serving God according to his ways means that we're going to take on various virtues of Jesus. There are four in particular. Meekness, zeal, faithfulness, and humility. Now, meekness, this does not mean being pushed around. This means keeping our strength under control. It means being strong in forbearance and faith to surrender to God's will completely. Zeal, zeal is not excitement in the moment. It's not who can be loud or who can be crazy, who can be like me or Eric or Nick in worship. It's not about being loud. It's about having consistent and steady love for God. It is, ag it is aggressive and it is uncompromising, but it's in 
it's, it's those things in our regards to our dedication. <clears throat> Faithfulness, this means that we can be someone that can be relied on. We're consistent with our commitments. And humility, this is the most important one. It means having self-forgetfulness, modesty, and freedom from pride. Now, these four characteristics are the qualities of the servant of servant Jesus. However, we need to realize that we are not expected to be good at all four of these things right away. Um, for now, it is good that you just desire these. So if you're not good at one of these things, you haven't really grown there, just make sure you're desiring those qualities. And be patient with yourself. God wants to give you those gifts. So God wants, God serves. He wants us to serve by serving like him. What should our response be? Our first response should be gratitude. We should be thankful that God um, did not withhold anything from us. That he who was so great chose to be our servant, our slave, by dying on the cross. Second, we should have the mind of a servant. Remember, I read uh, from Philippians earlier, uh, chapter 2. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. We want to have the mind of servants who serve according to God's will and ways. And then the other way to take on the mind of a servant is to start identifying uh, one of those traits I talked about. Meekness, zeal, faithfulness, humility. That you want God to bring his power and grace into. And then the third way, the third response we should have is we should be serving in God's power. He called us to be his servants and to accomplish this, he's going to give us the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so why do we need to uh, serve in, in his power? We serve in his power because it's God's kingdom that we're building. And without his power, we cannot establish anything that will last. Even the best plans that we come up with are going to crumble. But his plans will not. And secondly, we need his power because we serve him in the midst of a spiritual battle. In Ephesians, we, we can read, For we are not contending against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the world rules of this present darkness, and against the spiritual hosts of wickedness. So how do we act in God's power? We do this through the Holy Spirit. Um, so let us constantly ask the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us. And for us to work in his power, we also have to be obedient um, to, to God's ways. <clears throat> and ways to grow in... in oh, and if we depend on ourselves, we run the risk of being unable to hear his voice or see as he sees. In turn, this closes us off from co-laboring with God. Um, so that's why we need to rely on him. <clears throat> and now I want to talk about the four main ways to grow in spiritual power. Um, one, it's by using our spiritual gifts. So we have been given many gifts, the gifts of tongues, prophecy, healing, etc., many more. We want to make full use of those gifts because as, the more we use them, the more he'll give them to us. Um, and then the second way to grow is by being intercessors. So when we intercede, we know this was Catholics really well. 
We stand like a bridge between God and the person or thing we're praying for. In interceding, we must be mindful of a few things. One, intercession heavily depends on our relationship with God. The root of all our intercession is in our personal relationship with God. If you, if you speak to God like a friend, he's going to treat you like a friend. <laughs> he always treats you like a friend. But. Um, and then the other thing is, when we intercede, we always want to ask the Holy Spirit really what to intercede for. This helps us uh, stay on track and, and really have the mind of doing things his way. And the other thing is, intercession can be for anything and everything. We can intercede for any individual or group concerns. We could also pray for ordinary, everyday things, for temporal or spiritual concerns. And we can also intercede for small or big things. <clears throat> and then the third way to grow in spiritual power is to put on the armor of God. We should put on truth, righteousness, and faith. I don't have time to expand on it, but so I'll keep on going. Now, the fourth way to grow is to invoke Jesus' name. There is power in saying the name of Jesus. So I, I made it through the teaching part, which I was the most nervous about. Um, <clears throat> so I want to share a little bit. First, I want to share uh, Aiden's word for all of you guys who weren't here last gathering. Because Aiden's word um, about camp was amazing. And I think actually better than this talk. So, so I'm just going to go. It's going to be bullet point. So uh, Aiden's testimony from, from camp. So the more he turned out opportunities at camp, the more he felt like an outsider. His brother, John Schleter, was meeting camp and the tasks that he was entrusted with with joy. And that provided strength to Aiden. Aiden approached prayer time feeling like a failure but was met with the love of Jesus and he said yes to grace and then after that he became careless and took leap, leaps of faith before the Lord like wow okay so <clears throat> um, I observed with HRCC with what some of you might consider varying degrees of effectiveness um, I've served as, as a co-leader for a small group. That only lasted like two years. Um, I've served on HRCC Finance Committee and as a youth worker for the high school age members of our community. Um, there are times in my service where my activity expanded and others where I had to say no to things. Along the way in service to community, I felt exposed in my weakness to do things well, but I've also experienced successes. The best thing that is happening to me now is that I'm not thinking of terms of failures and successes anymore. I'm beginning to measure my service in terms of love and surrender. More and more, I feel like I'm going from my feelings, my image, my impact perspective to a choose to love one. In prayer, it brings me a lot of excitement to think, what can I give to God next? How can I participate in his love? When a new opportunity comes up, my first thought is, do I dare hope in abundance? I never thought that before. 
Some of the common thoughts that plagued me pre-surrender journey were, I'm too tired, I'm too busy, I'm really not good at that, does it even make a difference? I'll serve, but I'll do it my way. My wife thinks I'm away too much, but here's the deal. I'm going to say this like my grandpa liked to say, without hair on the tongue. These are terrible reasons not to love God. I'm too tired. I'm too busy. I'm really not good at that. Does it even make a difference? I'll serve, but I'll do it my way. My wife thinks I'm away too much. Terrible reasons not to love God. The only exception I'll make to this is that true love is not divorced from truth. So, how do, I, how do we approach these things that I mentioned? The interior life with Jesus. Take it to prayer. Put on the armor, the armor that I talked about. Particularly the armor of truth. God will reveal the truth in all these situations if you bring it to him. In my experience, he'll reveal true promptings from the Holy Spirit. And even when our complaints are true, he's a spring of grace by which our objections can be overcome. We don't need to shrivel in fear. We need to trust in God. All right? So that's all I had to say. And um, the only last thing is I want to give you guys some questions to take to your personal prayer time, your small groups, or your husband and wife meetings. So the first question is, what trait do I want to grow in? Meekness, zeal, faithfulness, humility. The second question is, what is my response when I'm asked to serve? Why? Am I putting truth on in consideration of this reaction? Where do I want to hope in God's abundance? Do I feel left out in community? What am I doing to serve? Love is connection, baby. All right, that's it.